0: Hey beautiful people, welcome to the Catherine B. Roy Show, where passion meets profit and dreams turn into flourishing businesses. I'm your host, Catherine B. Roy. I'm thrilled to introduce you to extraordinary high achievers, Nobel Peace Prize and Emmy winners, Premier League and NFL players, best-selling authors, seven-figures business owners, coaches, consultants, therapists, and a plethora of brilliant minds. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to making our world a better place. Expect inspiration, practical tools, and positivity. But that's not all. In the spirit of growth, don't forget to explore the valuable resources shared in the episode description. Whether you're here to learn or collaborate, this podcast has something special just for you. My guest today is Megan Dwyer. Megan is a certified financial planner and a host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast, After spending 15 years watching women take a passive role in managing their money, she's on a mission to help them stop playing small. By challenging the societal norms around women and money, Megan aims to empower women to make money decisions out of a sense of abundance and confidence, rather than scarcity and fear. When Megan isn't working, she loves running, writing, and being a mom to her two young boys. Let's dive in. Welcome, Megan. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation.
0: It's truly my pleasure. And the topic is always hot, as I mentioned before. But before we start talking a little bit about money, would you like to share a little bit about your story so we can get to know you a little bit better?
1: please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Megan Dwyer. I am, uh, most importantly, I am a mom to two young boys, they're five and seven. They are uh, chaotic and awesome, and they are my. They teach me so much more about life than I could ever learn any, anywhere else. Um, I am also a certified financial planner. Um, that's the that's the day job, and um, where I'm working with um, individuals and families to help them work through um, whatever they're going through right now, and 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 create this kind of holistic financial well being. Um, I also am a host, uh, I host my own podcast called money isn't scary. And I, and I started that, um, about three years ago during the pandemic when, um, uh, when I was struggling and I, I know a lot of other people were at that time as well. I, I had, um, at the time I was working full-time from home. I had a three and a one-year-old and my husband, um, had, had been laid off. And so, um, I was, I was really having a hard time to figuring out my purpose and my place. And I was um, pulled in so many different directions. And I think we all were kind of going through a hard time during that time. So I, I realized that I was coping through some of those through that difficulty um by I was online shopping. I was just doing things that I realized I didn't really after a while, I realized I didn't need to do, like I was buying clothes when I wasn't going anywhere. Right. I was buying shoes and I was, I realized, you know, a couple months later, I would, they would still have tags on them. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Right. And I almost had this, I always had this kind of like feeling of, of guilt afterwards. And so I wanted to explore that more. And I knew that if I was, um, if I was doing this, I was not alone. And I know very well that what's personal is universal. So I really just wanted to share the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I also knew that um, from working with clients, I had seen so many times clients' stories of scarcity, right, come up. And and we would run long-term analysis and we would look at cash flows for clients. And we could tell a client, right, based on your goals and, and where you're at, that you're going to be just fine. Like you're going to be okay. We stress tested this for all these different variables. And yet sometimes they would still have such a hard time believing that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew from that, that it became clear to me that there's something more than just what's on the surface. There's, there's beliefs, Mm -hmm. there's stories, there's, um, fundamental, um, thoughts around how life should be that get in the way Mm -hmm. and that impact our relationship with money. So, I, I really wanted to um, take this approach with the podcast of sort of, you know, working through my own relationship with money, um, which is really working through my own relationship with myself and my own worthiness that
0: I discovered along the way, right, but taking it from the angle of money. Mm hmm. That's amazing. I will be honest, Megan, I I was born in former Yugoslavia. And during 90s, there was a civil war. And the biggest inflation I have ever witnessed in my life. So I remember my grandfather could buy just two apples with his retirement for the whole. And um, it was very hard for me to get from there to where I'm now. I even went on hypnotherapy. So I understand yeah. limiting beliefs yeah. and all of that. We all have that. But when we talk about money, um, I'm sure there are certain areas you, you are specializing in helping women. Um, mm mm-hmm we actually, you know, we tend to play small. Um, What are these areas? How how you can help us with that? Still, I believe that a lot of women are playing very small.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And before I get into that, I just want to acknowledge what you just said and, and reiterate that, yeah, like there is, there's generational beliefs and traumas that get passed on. Right. So just because you didn't go through what your grandfather went through, doesn't mean that you're not feeling that underneath. Right. So that's exactly. something I think that's important that we all acknowledge. Um, and that helps, I think to re- the, with the self awareness component to this, we've all gone through stuff, whether it's us or whether it's the generations before us and that we're still holding on to it. So it's, it's our job to uncover and figure out what that is, mm-hmm. um, and work through it ourselves. So we don't continue that, um, those patterns of passing it on to our kids and that and their kids. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. There are, um, there are a lot of ways that women play small. And again, that's part of the, the goal here that I had with my podcast is making sure that, or, or at least helping to bring light to that and create that self-awareness. So I, I think, you know, the, the, the first and foremost, one of the biggest ways that we play small is by not having the knowledge. Right. So I put this first Because I think it is by far the most important. And I am not saying that you have to be a financial planner or a, you know, master's in finance, but we just need to have a basic understanding of our own personal financial situation, which will include, you know, a net worth statement. So looking at your assets and your liabilities and an understanding of um, cash flow. So income, income, pre and post tax and and expenses. Mm -hmm. And this alone, these two kind of fundamental kind of core, like we'll call them reports, but kind of fundamental, um, knowledge is incredibly empowering. Um, as with, as women, it's so easy to, you know, tend to um, avoid or default to letting someone else handle this for us. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know that the more that we avoid, the harder it gets, the more intimidated we become. Right. So I think it's really, really important to lean into that discomfort and just get curious. Right. Um, so another way that we also um tend to play small is is earning and and I think you know we're conditioned through our culture to not be as aggressive as men are and we oftentimes and I do this all the time undervalue our work um and I think this is particular uh particularly important for women entrepreneurs as well women you know tend to not charge people um or or find the right pricing because it's, it go, all goes down to worthiness. We don't think that that what we're offering adds value and, and therefore that we don't add value and we're not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that somebody else can do it better. So they deserve the money more than we do. Um, this is all a lot of imposter syndrome, right? Because I think we tend to charge what we think we're worth rather than what the value really may be out there. So there's some misalignment. And, and I think that that misalignment really comes down to mindset um as i just said it happens a lot with women entrepreneurs but it's it's not exclusive to women entrepreneurs i have worked a w2 job my entire career and i have often and and, and still do struggle with what I felt is my own worth so much so that instead of having a direct conversation, I will avoid it and, and, um, and therefore, you know, often feel underappreciated as, and resentful as a result. So I I think this is very common and this is something that is more of an internal, internal work than it is external.
0: Mm Um,
1: There's also, there's a couple other areas I just want to touch on. And I know I'm getting a little long-winded here. No, no,
0: no, no, please, please. (laughs) Uh, The stage is yours.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Spending is also uh, really uh, important as well. I love this one because it's so universal. We, um, as women, and and me especially, tend to use spending as a coping strategy. I was just talking about that in my story when we started this. Um, But I'm often not... Buying things that I really want or I even need, I'm I'm buying things that I don't want necessarily or I don't need because I get this little high. It's it's like a dopamine hit, right? It's, exactly. it's, it's to get this this almost like rush to make us feel better temporarily. Um, I equate it to like having the glass of wine or the you know the quick fix, right? That's going to make your problems go away in that moment because we it, it's uncomfortable to sit with them. To, to, it's uncomfortable to sit with it right but again it, doing that doesn't solve the underlying problem it's it's putting a band-aid on a bullet hole so i think we really need to kind of start to um dig in a little deeper to our spending habits and think about and this is more uh this is stuff i talk about on the podcast a lot is is aligning our spending with our intentions our values our priorities right mm-hmm. um and the last thing I'll mention here around where women play small is negotiating. And this is kind of similar to earning that I, that I just mentioned, but um, I think all humans do this, but in particularly, in particular women, when we are faced with a threat, whatever it is, it could be that we're being chased by a tiger, but it could also be that there is a chance that we could be judged or we could be not liked. That's mm-hmm. also a threat, right? Mm-hmm. When we were when we're in that situation, we tend to want to stay safe. Mm-hmm. It's our natural social conditioning, mm-hmm. um, but it's funny that I that we just accept this for what it is, and we don't really do anything about it. Um, and I think a lot of that is because it's it's embedded into our subconscious. We may not even be aware that it's happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, when women initiate negotiation, we're we're kind of. Um, seen differently as men are. So we're, we're already at a disadvantage. We, we could be perceived as pushy. We could be um, seen as aggressive or unlikable, which is incredibly uncomfortable for us. It's incredibly uncomfortable for me. So I'm speaking for women as a whole here, but it really is for me. Because again, we've been socialized to want to be liked, mm-hmm. um, to want to kind of fit in with that tribe and, and that feels safe to us. And when we're not, when we don't fit in, it's super, super uncomfortable. And this all goes back to that kind of wanting to be liked thing and not pushing any buttons and just doing like we're told. So mm-hmm. again, um, you know, uh, things that probably are, are, are in our subconscious and we don't even recognize because we're just kind of used to doing it every day, but it's really important when we think about, you know, it on the bigger scale and how these kind of actions and behaviors are keeping
0: us small. What I've noticed uh, that you mentioned and uh, um, what happened to me, actually, is the importance of the mindset. You know, before I started my own business, I was a programmer and programmers have nice salary anywhere you work. Uh, But I was six figures in debt in bank loans, you know, for the apartment, Mm -hmm. for the car, the consuming society and all of that. Until one day, my husband said, you graduated economics, you should handle your expenses a little bit better, my love. So we (laughs) opened an Excel sheet. So I wanted to prove him it's not about me. And of course, it was about me. (laughs) It was definitely about me. And this is where I became aware. But I will be honest, I went through 18 personal growth programs From different sources to change my limiting beliefs because from where I came from and that fact that I I really didn't have food on the table to eat back then it it's it's like wired in me of course no it's not like it's it's there but still you know I'm I'm handling it much better um is mindset and elimination or transformation, reprogramming, limiting beliefs so much important or actually we change as as humans and maybe, you know, our self-confidence grows? So, like, do you believe money is energy or what are your thoughts about that? I do.
1: I absolutely believe money, money is energy and, and money is just a tool. It's a resource to help us get to where we want to be. Um And it all starts with mindset, because if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe that there is a different path for you, there's not going to be, you're going to, you're going to continue to, to do those kind of, um, self-sabotaging behaviors, or you're going to just keep feeling like that victim, which is in my mind, that is a self-sabotaging behavior because it's, it's not putting the onus on you. Mm -hmm. So there's always something that you can do there's always an action you can take and i think that if you believe that you have to come from that place instead of kind of the world is out to get me you have to say hey no i'm here to i'm i'm here to tackle it i can do this right mm-hmm. and that's easier said than done and i'm sure from your experience i mean it's that was that's a huge shift for you to go from you know not uh, not having food on the table to where you are now and i'm there was Probably no way you could have done that without believing in yourself,
0: Mm. right? Or I had good mentors who believed in me. Well, that's exactly. You
1: need somebody. I I also think that that's exactly. Yes, you need you need somebody to believe in you so that you can believe in yourself, right? If you're really at that place where you can't believe in yourself and that, and that is part of the community. And that's part of the aspect in my mind, I think of the work that you're doing now, but it's also the reason why um, I do this. There's a reason why there's people out there that are um, out there, that are there to inspire you. And it's not about competition. It's about bringing up, bringing up other women with you, right? So if somebody else can do it, you can too it's just a it's it's just you have to get into that mindset of it
0: exactly and when yeah. we connect to our higher purpose yeah uh then as you said money is a tool to get yeah. us where we want to be and and we need that tool to really make an impact this is what happened in my mind but what about talking or not talking about money money well, oh, uh, yeah. We were raised maybe not to talk about money. Money doesn't grow yeah. in trees, and so on and so forth. While now I'm, I'm, you know, I have a son also who is seven years old, and we completely differently. I have a completely different approach than my parents did. So, yeah. what are your thoughts about that? Think about money or not talking, and how?
1: Yeah, I hear you. I think, and I think that's such a great. Segue from what we were just chatting about, but um, I also come from a house where we did not talk about money, it was like you know, um, where I'd be out at the store with my mom and you know, I'd ask for something like every little kid does, and she's like, No, no, we can't have that, gotta wait till your father gets paid, and then it would be like the one day of the month that my dad did bills, and it was like, Leave them alone. He's going to be grouchy. Don't go near dad and his bills that day, you know? So, um, but other than that, it was just more than messages that I received. It wasn't, we, we never actually had a conversation around what money does, how money helps us, um, what money means to us. Right. And, and it was more some of just some of the messages that I kind of secondhand got from my, from my mom kind of comparing herself to other people. And, and so I think that's where, again, we kind of continue to inherit some of those messages that scarcity message it's just it's just passed on but yeah money in our culture is is very taboo and um talking about it i think is so crucial to um to addressing the anxiety that right. that comes along with it right um but when we don't talk about money, honestly, it, it keeps us, in my mind, it, it's another way of keeping us small. It keeps us, in a way, ignorant, right? It's um, We don't see that there's um, other, that there's tools out there. We don't see that there's, you know, habits that we can change. Um, I just think that the more that we don't talk about it, the more that we avoid, the more that women continue to um, push away something that that... Makes us scared, and I also think that it has. When the, if we don't talk about money, say you know in a family, uh, it has an impact on marriage too. Because I feel like that the, we need to have open communication around something. How? What are the stats? Right? That money mm-hmm. is the cause mm-hmm. of the 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 biggest cause of divorce. Well, if you're not open in talking about who's earning what, where the dollars are going, then the more is hidden and the more anxiety is going to be caused around it too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then even at a higher level, right? Like a, a, at a cultural level, I think the taboo and not talking about money, it helps to continue to, to foster that gender pay gap. Right. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't help towards it. I think, again, not talking about money means women are not Um, educated around it, meaning they're not going to stand up for themselves. They're not going to advocate for themselves. They're less likely to negotiate for a higher salary, right? So all that's doing is just, in my mind, continuing to, to, to keep women at a disadvantage, keep women kind of As that minority, and continue to keep us from earning the same amount as women, uh, the same amount as men would. So, I think again, um, it all starts at home, and there are plenty of tools and strategies to talk about um, to talk about money with kids. I actually just had somebody on my podcast. um, I interviewed her last week that wrote a whole book on. how to talk to kids about money at different ages and stages in their lives and i encourage everyone to be able to um, find a resource and find a way to be able to talk to your kids about it but it all starts at home so it's it's again it's breaking those generational patterns Um, but i think it's so important because we don't want to see our sons and daughters go out there and you know be making less than anybody else just because they can't advocate for themselves or they don't want to I'm sorry, I can't hear you all of a sudden. Did I mute myself? No. Are you muted? I couldn't. I can't hear you all of a sudden.
0: And now? Oh, now now I can. Yep, yep. Never mind. We will fix that in post production. (laughs) I I, I did hear you all the time. So some okay, good.
1: No, I- it was just when you talked that one time, I couldn't hear you. I could see your mouth, but
0: not your okay. <laughs> No, Now you can. Okay. Uh, uh, what I wanted to mention is uh, you mentioned a very, very important thing, and that's breaking the generational patterns.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, there is one very beautiful thing, which I actually learned from my mom. Even at that time uh, of lack, uh, she was always telling me there is always someone who has less than you. Mm-hmm. so even if you don't have and you believe that you don't have enough uh give away uh, someone who has less than you mm-hmm. and uh, even then we accepted a family of six people who were refugees to our home which was very huge there were 12 of us not having wow. anything on the table yeah but as you see we did make it so what I wanted to say is that um how I feel now about money is um uh, pure energy of love not for the sake of having more material things Mm -hmm. but for the sake of being able to make a bigger impact in my business when I have more money because helping people who have their purpose to make a difference in the world it's what makes us yeah uh, it's not
1: about it's not about the pile of things in my mind It's, it's one of those things what's it's it's never about the thing it's about the feeling behind the thing what does what is that feeling that you get from having that thing right it's not exactly. about the the big house or the the car or the fancy vacation right it's about whatever let's let's dig a little deeper it's that feeling of like you said love and 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 being able to take care of the people that you love, right? It's about freedom and being able to come and go and do what you want in life instead of being backed into a corner and say, hey, you have to do this, right? There's only one option. Um, there's there's so much more there if we just dig a little bit deeper beneath the surface.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. Um, what about, you know, I noticed a lot of people, um, the less they have, the more they have uh, a need showcase like they have more uh through different yeah. brands or something like that um is there a feeling of I don't know feeling better behind that or there is a lack of self-confidence and then maybe a yeah. need to to showcase like the material things I but think I, it's insecurity
1: I think that's just insecurity and I think it's it's also um you know again like the 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 odds are stacked against us. We have to be aware too of the kind of co- consumerism and materialism culture that we live in. So um, I think you know we we live in this world where if you have this brand shoes or you know the the more expensive car, the fancier car, people tend to look at you differently. But I think we also need to do our inner work and we need to understand like what is it what is it about that brand what is it about that thing is it that that makes me want that so much and if it really is just about comparing yourself to somebody else having something that somebody else doesn't then that's likely a place that um that it's it's likely comes from a place of insecurity and that that's needs to be worked through and that that's taking it a step further it's probably a worthiness issue it's saying I'm not good enough just as I am because I have to have this particular pair of shoes or whatever this this sweatshirt this brand name brand sweatshirt in order to feel good about myself but again as a culture I think um not everyone was taught to, that they were not everyone was taught growing up that they were good enough just as they are right exactly. again because it's that it's it's what we learn from the generations above us right so if i think the the goal anyway for me through this kind of this this journey is um so much more about self-discovery, self-awareness, self-love, but taken from the angle of money. I think the more we learn about ourselves, the more all of our um, habits around money and our behaviors around money will, um, will be in alignment with the direction that we wanna go in versus feeling, you know, not feeling right to us, or feeling guilt or shame from some of the things that we purchase,
0: mm-hmm. and brands are using that. Uh, oh,
1: totally. They. C- I think about. I think about the women's beauty industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much do they do? They try to teach us that we need to have this brand of mascara or this this hundred and fifty dollar skin cream, right? Because we aren't good enough just as we are, so we need to look better. And therefore we'll feel better. Right. It's, it's a, it's, I was a marketing major in college and I was always fascinated by that, by the, by the messages that brands are trying to tell us, teach us or
0: tell us and how young we
1: are when we get those messages.
0: Exactly. And I was interviewing one uh, uh also business professional and, and we were talking about prices, so I will not name the perfume, but mm-hmm. it's it's a perfume which Brad Pitt actually uh, like recommends. It's yeah 80 milliliters, it's like 85 bucks. Mm-hmm. But the true price of the you know liquid inside it's 1.7 euros, so it's like two bucks. Right, right. And I was like in shock, and I was like
1: what <laughs> but it's Brad Pitt, right? So Brad? Everybody wants to feel like Brad like we perceive Brad Pitt to feel or we want to look like out to the world the way Brad Pitt looks to us, right? So it's it goes deeper.
0: Exactly. I was reading Ken, Ken Honda's book about happy money and there was one story about his mentor who every time when he comes to the restaurant, he leaves a very large tip. And sometimes even a golden uh, coin or something like that. And when he asked him, why are you doing that? He explained that the waitress or a waiter will be very happy when they receive that. And they will remember that feeling, which yeah. will actually follow him through the day. Yeah. So this is why he was giving away very generously.
1: I I believe that I believe that's all part of the abundance, right? And if we, how do we want to feel? We need to we need to really start to identify how do we want to feel, and we can. It doesn't have to be. I'm not saying you have to you know give it huge tips to people when you go out to restaurants, but I think I think taking small action towards that feeling, like he wanted to feel good about himself. And doing something like that, making other people happy, makes him feel good about himself. I think it does for everybody. Um, but we have to do what works within the context of our own lives. But again, it all goes
0: back to the feeling. Yes. And and I'm so happy we touched this. Because, for example, every year I, I teach my son to um, give away his toys or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. to- I love that kids who have less so now he he learned that there are kids who have less and he is making little packages and we're taking that together and Aww. you know seeing a little kid who is very happy to give something is is for me it's a miracle you know and this is this is the feeling that I have to live with him again Uh, seeing these children actually having something from that Uh, what do you think about all of these ideas of actually you know uh, being the light for for someone who has less light I mean in terms of money if we're talking about money
1: yeah but I mean it's it's universal it's in so many areas of our life like being that light like we were just talking about it you had a mentor that believed in you It, it, it it you want to be able to reciprocate that feeling i think that's all anybody's looking for right yes. we're we're looking yes. to to get the light when we need it and give that light back to somebody else when they need it right yeah. so i think that is like the ultimate that's why we're here again like not for the pile of things not for the objects we're here to feel um like we matter
0: mm-hmm. and
1: when we matter that's when i think we're we're the most fulfilled we're the most happy um, so it's, I think that's uh, to pass, to teach that to kids, that, that lesson that it's not all about us. It's about, it's about everybody else too, um, is, and it's, it's tough when the, at the age of seven, cause they kind of compartmentalize and get it <laughs> yeah, you know, small exactly. way. But I think, I think that's such a, I'm going to do that with my kids. I, I mean, we, we just had Christmas and we have more stuff coming into the house. So we need to start to get things out. And I think, Showing them that, um, and I tell them this, but I think, that they can see it. They can see that there are other kids that don't have as much as they have. Um, is that that experience is is a game changer? I feel like once they see it, they can't unsee it, and it's just such a good lesson for kids at that age.
0: Exactly, and that's that's how we change the generational patterns, right? Absolutely. And this Absolutely. is why I loved one of the projects in my son's school. A teacher uh, asked them to to uh, like bake a little cookies for kids from uh, oncology department. Uh, so oh, wow. so awesome. they were they are just seven, and they were like baking cookies for other kids. Mm-hmm. These not things. for them to eat, but not for them to, to eat. Yeah, to yeah.
1: give to people who who don't have. Habit, exactly. Right?
0: Exactly, yeah. and that's 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 a kind of shift that the whole world needs. But yeah. when we talk about a, a money and the woman perception of it, uh, what are the five key things, for example, that every woman should know about her money, and yeah. and how, how what's the best way to approach that?
1: Yeah, we we've touched on a few of these already, so mm-hmm. I'll I'll try to be brief. But the first thing again is we're not we're taught not to like money. Right. Like we from those messages that we receive from the way we grew up, we're taught that um, even the the things that we learn from our parents. I will say this. um, My mom. So in the U.S., women were not allowed to have uh, credit cards in their own name until um, the mid 1970s, 1974. And my mom was a full blown adult at that point. And it's it's incredible to me because even though she, she she was a nurse she always worked she was empowered right she did her she made her own money she still I mean it, the, those those beliefs that she had were continue to get passed down right so we we think about that it's not just on us it's the messages like we haven't we've advanced so much in our culture but there's still so much that are kind of that's holding women back so I think we need to be aware of some of those messages that we get out there um and just know that again kind of the odds are sort of stacked against us we need to um we need to stand up to that and we need to know that we can, it's okay to like money and it's okay to know about money right it's not it's okay to um to be curious about it and it's also okay to have money too because as you just said the more the more money we have the more good we can do with it um the other thing I would say I just said is that, you know, that women need to know is know your numbers. And I just mentioned this. Know your net worth. So your income and in, I'm sorry, your um, assets and your liabilities, just put that all together on a piece of paper, an Excel spreadsheet, a, a, a literally like a back of a napkin with a crayon. It doesn't matter. Just try to have some n- general knowledge of what you own and what you owe and the specifics around that. Um... What are the interest rates? What are the who who owns the account? All that kind of stuff. That's so important. Um, and then same on the expense side uh, or on the income and the expense side, cash flow. So what's coming in? Who's earning it? What is the pre and post tax impact? And what are we spending? And I think that's also there's a lot of shame to that. What are we spending? Question. Um, and think of it as a very in a non judgmental way. There's also a lot of um, if you it. it if you find that process overwhelming, there's a lot of tools out there that can help you aggregate your accounts and be able to just pull um, like an annual amount and break it down into category, or an, or a monthly amount and break it down into category. But take this approach um, with um, without judgment, because this is just getting curious, right? It's just looking at patterns, and once you see it then if you feel overwhelmed by it, you may not actually know the extent to what the numbers say. Now you see what the numbers say, now you can do something about it. So that alone is empowering in my mind. the other thing I will say is you need to know how to access your accounts. So, who I just said you need to know who owns them, but you also need to know how to get 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 into them and look at them, um make changes to them if need be. So, that's something that I think a lot of us tend to forget about or we don't know our login to our 401k or whatever. Like we need to start getting um more involved in this, and so it, it ta- find a place. Write down all your passwords or whatever it is, or how, your your um the websites. It's so important to be able to know how to have to get into these accounts, to look at these accounts, and to view them on a consistent basis because um, there's a lot of things that change, and you know you want to be looking at it. You want to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um the the other piece to this is I, that I think women need to know is that all spending is emotional. Women tend to get a bad reputation that um, we are emotional spenders. Women are um again, you know, I said before, women couldn't have a credit card until the mid-1970s. And the reason the, the rationale for that was that women were more emotional and therefore um not as rational when it comes to making money decisions. But I think that we need to turn that on its head. Um women tend to be perceived as more emotional. And that's why we hide it. That's why we go in the bathroom and we cry. That's why we don't do it in front of our kids. And we we shut the door or we go away to do it. But I think that emotions need to be embraced. I think emotions tell us things. And I think especially with spending, I mean, we just talked about it's never about the thing. It's about the feeling behind the thing, right? So of course. Um, there's going to be some emotions, whether it's a small purchase or a big purchase. And um, maybe not on every purchase, but there's going to be some emotions. So I think we need to embrace that and not think of our emotions as a bad thing because they're telling us something. If we have a reaction to, or we feel guilt, or we feel shame about something, there's more there. So let's listen to our emotions and recognize that all spending is emotional. Um, And the last thing I want to say here that women need to know is that, is how to practice self-compassion. Um, we, again, there's, we were not taught this, right? We, there's there in my, at least generation, it's starting to change now for our kids, but there was, there was no financial education in schools. We were not brought up with this. So how can we possibly know something if we were never taught it? Right? So, um, there's three components. Um, I had um, Dr. Kristen Neff on my show um, last year, and she's incredible. She's the pioneer in in self-compassion research. And she said that there's three main components to self-compa- self-compassion. self It's kindness, it's mindfulness. And most importantly, and this is what really changed the game for me, is is what she calls common humanity. So it's basically knowing that you are not alone.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's that allows us, I think to be a little bit less harsh on ourselves and know that, hey, again, as I said at the beginning when I started this podcast, if I'm doing this, somebody else out there must be doing this too. I am not an outlier. I am not different. I am just a human having a human experience. And my goal is to help other women understand that that they're not alone. There's somebody else in there too. And I feel you. I got you. We can do this together. So um self-compassion is a huge, huge part to this process because um, you know, we need it in order to anytime we're learning something new or anytime we're trying to make a change or create better habits in our lives, um, we need to recognize that we're not perfect, we're humans, we're not robots, and um and that we can we can be kind to ourselves in this process.
0: This is amazing. What you shared is is, is just a pure gold. I just it just came to my mind. I'm starting a new company, and a friend of mine knows that. And she just sent me a message today saying, I just want you to know that you're not alone. It was Mm -hmm. it was all it was it was just what you said now. But for the end, um, before we share how people can find you and actually how they can work with you. um, (laughs) I I have an anecdote again. Uh, Yeah, my, my son had a project and they were making like they were drawing what will they be when they grow up. And then putting it in the little cans, and then um, you know under under the ground in in the schoolyard, so they will oh, cool. actually dig it out when they are eighteen years old. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Right? It's uh, he has amazing teacher. That, that's just it. And and he he drew a bank, and I was like, "You want to work in bank?" Because you know yeah. I I I I studied in the Faculty of Economics. He knows that and all of that, but. Even though I learned about finances, my finances were disaster. This yeah. is this is why I'm sharing it. And he said, No ma'am no mom, I I, I want I want to own the bank. Oh <laughs> like, I love that. I was like, okay, maybe I overdid it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But but I what, what my hobby said, they actually played the a monopoly game, you know. So he was buying and selling banks in the Monopoly game. Yep. And this is
1: oh, my gosh. Good for him. Think big. I love that.
0: <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but yeah, <laughs> it looks That's like incredible. we wow. shifted the mindset, generational what? mindset. <laughs> Absolutely. You sure have.
1: I mean, yeah, whenever I ask my, my seven-year-old what he wants to be when he grows up, he says um, a Lego builder. And I'm like, because he loves to play with his Legos. I'm like, you know what? buddy like you could be an engineer like you could design for lego for like the company there's so much big stuff there and i just i'm i totally like and day, I actually just passions. saw the
0: whole new aspect of architecture is based on like a Lego blocks.
1: Seriously, yes. there yes. is a
0: startup, and a lot of architects and engineers are working on that. So the yeah. houses will be built out of blocks, which looks like Lego and goes and clicks. So <laughs> there is. That's a space. incredible. So
1: there is. There's a lot of opportunities. <laughs> I know. So it, just because, just because he says one thing, it's. I know. It's incredible. It's such a different world now. When we were growing up, it was like you could be a couple of things. You know, you could be the doctor, you could be the, the teacher or the um whatever the firefighter or something but it's um it's a different world now and it's I I love it kids and it's good
0: it's good for them I mean there are there are good and bad things with the internet and all of that but they have much more options and and resources uh I think we shared a lot of valuable things in this episode and I'm so glad that you were my guest if anyone would like to reach out to you or to work with you what's the best way to find you
1: yeah, you can um, check out my website, which is money Um, You can find out more about the podcast, obviously, and I have some blogs and um, I also am um, I'm on Instagram at Money isn't Scary and I have and Facebook as well. And I have a Facebook group called the Mindful Money Mamas. Um, and I'm going to be working on later in the year towards doing, um, individual kind of money coaching and,
0: um, mindset coaching around this stuff. So if you're interested, just send me a message. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this and thank you for being my guest. I truly enjoyed it and I hope you did too. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It's
0: my pleasure. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of The Catherine B. Roy Show. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. Dive into the episode description to access additional resources and connect with me, Catherine B. Roy. Whether it's business growth, personal development, or simply making the world a better place, we're in this together. Subscribe, write a review for The Catherine B. Roy Show. Share it with your loved ones and stay tuned for more remarkable guests and valuable insights. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams and turning your passions into thriving businesses. This is Catherine B. Roy, signing off.